Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. Surface for Business devices are designed for work anywhere. Wherever and however you or your teams work or collaborate, Surface gives your organization the freedom to work anywhere. It allows you to retain the control you need to stay secure with built-in security at every layer through chip to cloud protection from Microsoft. Visit www.aka.ms forward slash Surface for Business CA to learn more about Surface for Business devices. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we are thrilled to have Selene Vicaria, the founder and owner of Smart Women in Whitehorse, Yukon. Smart Women is an award-winning community for entrepreneurs. As a business and marketing coach for more than 15 years, Selene has worked with organizations, businesses, and award-winning ad agencies across Canada. In 2014, she moved across the country to the beautiful city of Whitehorse, where she started a marketing, design, and events agency. After running that agency for a couple of years with clients from all around the world, Selene realized that what she truly loved was using her marketing and mindset superpowers to help women entrepreneurs rock their businesses. And so Smart Women was born. It offers one-to-one coaching, business advising, and longer-form courses and accelerators for women looking to start or grow their businesses. Smart Women has gone on to produce two conferences, a sold-out female CEO speaker series, countless workshops and networking events, and two group coaching programs. Welcome to the show, Celine. 
Thanks for having me, Rick. Delighted to have you here and delighted to share what you've picked up in, 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 in your career, in your business with our listeners. So we, we, we like to make sure that people know, the listeners know that they're going to get uh, some really valuable information out of each and every Startup Canada podcast. So right off the top, what are the top pieces of advice that you hope entrepreneurs will take away from this conversation? One of the things that I always like to talk to entrepreneurs about, whatever the stage of business they're at, is that really at the end of the day, you want to be building a business that is aligned with you, that you want to be waking up to every day, that's really in tune with what your version of success is. And building on that, really, you are the CEO of your business. And that means being super 100% committed to your vision, being clear and confident in what that vision is, and saying no to absolutely everything and anything that would pull you away from that vision. Beautiful. Okay. Everyone keep listening because there's lots more to come. First of all, I got to tell you that I love Whitehorse. I've only been there once. It was a part of the Startup Canada tour about two or three years ago. And I was so delighted to find out that Whitehorse, despite being a fairly small city by most Canadian urban standards, it's a hotbed of creativity and fun people doing really amazing things. It's not sort of the dry business as usual northern community I expected. Tell me why you're in Whitehorse. Well, I so I grew up in Toronto and I spent my whole life there. And then <laughs> it was a very impulsive decision that I'd gone to travel for a year. And when I got back, I just, you know, for anyone who lives in Toronto, it's a wonderful city and I love it very much. But there are times in your life there where you just think, yeah, this city might not be for me right now. And I had one of those moments and it was completely by chance. I was looking for somewhere to switch things up. And after traveling for a year, I realized you could actually live in different places, which isn't something I grew up thinking. <laughs> and <laughs> it was always a shock to me when someone moves somewhere else. In Toronto, and, in Toronto, they consider yeah. it the end state. Why would you it, go anywhere else? Exactly. You know, <laughs> I mean, what else is there? And so within a week, a couple of friends completely independent of each other other all just said you should move north and so I thought okay why not let's give this thing a try so I moved here sight unseen and was pleasantly surprised there were mountains and a river and that it turned out the way that it did and uh, it's uh, non-stop partying in the summer and skidooing and hiking in winter I mean, for those people who like to go outside, yes, that, that is. <laughs> no, there, there is really, what's really lovely about this place is that it is a very short drive to being away from it all. So within a very short period of time, you don't have cell service and you're surrounded by a really beautiful nature. Um, and you can do that very easily and pretty much anywhere that you can just suddenly be alone. And it's. Something that growing up in a city I didn't realize I needed. And now that I live here and have experienced that, I can't imagine not having that on a regular basis. And your businesses, are they geared to the local marketplace or the global marketplace? Uh, my marketing and ads agency is geared more locally, so Yukon-wide. And then my online coaching business is, well, it's online, so it's more global. Yeah, fantastic. So just tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. How did you get into the communications business, and how did that evolve into more of this uh, coaching and training and leading? Well, I am what I like to call a reluctant entrepreneur. I kind <laughs> of was dragged in kicking and screaming and did not think it would ever be for me. Um, my sister runs a very successful business, and I think watching her and seeing how much work it could be was something that I always thought, I don't know about that. But I'd always loved marketing. Like, 
I worked at an ad agency as a teenager, as an after-school job. I went to advertising camp, which is something that exists. And, advertising uh, camp. Advertising camp. It was really fun. And I, um, instead of having a journal where I wrote down my feelings, I would. I had a journal where I made up ads as a teenager. So I always loved it, and I was really fortunate to right out of university end up working for a pretty big agency that focused on market research which really formed the basis of a lot of what I do today and a lot of my how I approach marketing which is really being customer focused and audience focused and really knowing how to get really deep insights and apply those for business growth and business success so I kind of did that for a while went back to school for another communications degree then worked between businesses, nonprofits, and ad agencies. And when I moved up here, I actually moved up and started working as a digital and social media strategist at an ad agency. And from there, just ended up starting my own business when I realized that the stuff that I really wanted to do was not something that was being done because I really loved experiential marketing. So having events as part of marketing plans, and I really loved things that were focused on making an impact. And that was a challenging thing to find. So I started my own and then yeah, like I said, kicking and screaming for a while um, and occasionally still have those moments. But overall, it's been a really great experience. And tell me about your uh, entrepreneurial business. Uh, who is it aimed at? What are some of the things that, that you do with, uh, with it? How many people are involved? Or is it just you and a few associates? Or Yeah, it's just me. Um, at the beginning, the ad agency, I had a business partner who I'm super thankful for because I don't think I would have... Uh, stayed in it. I'm a, not the most patient person. And so <laughs> I don't know that I would have stuck with it as long as I did and made it through a lot of those initial mindset hurdles without her. Uh, so we together built a really wonderful company and she's moved on to start a different company, which is equally amazing and wonderful and I'm very excited about. And um, the ad agency, what we really wanted to do was we kind of made up a term called smart fun and that was our approach is that we wanted people to be learning something to having to be having intellectual conversations and that all of our efforts were to start conversations around important topics in a way that was really fun and engaging and that's the the brand that we built and that I took into the coaching as well where it was really about I want people to I want to help people have an impact, whatever that impact is. That's what I'm really passionate about, and that's what I love doing. So I love working with people who are out there trying to change their communities for the better, trying to uh, do something great for the world, and helping them make that happen. Right. I think it's um, probably pretty much true that every entrepreneur wants to make an impact. What's your best two pieces of advice for just getting out there and making impact? I think... Um, my two main ones are one, as foreshadowed before, know who your audience is. Like oftentimes, especially when we're trying to make an impact, we think, well, I want to help everyone. And you actually can feel sort of guilty about trying to niche down who you're trying to help because you're trying to make an impact. So you want everyone to have a better life or to have something improved. 
But at the end of the day, if you're trying to help everybody, you're actually really helping nobody because creating a generic thing or marketing in a generic way doesn't reach anybody and doesn't connect with anyone. You have to know who your audience is in a very specific way and be talking just to them, be creating products and services just for them. And that's how you make a really amazing impact. That's how you get the results for them that you want them to have. Because if you're working with the wrong customers who aren't your ideal customers, they're not going to be getting those results. And you're actually going to feel like you're not having that impact you want. So it's better to work for a smaller set of people and do a really in-depth, amazing job for them. Right. That's so, the, yeah, so, yeah. Sorry, so, go ahead. So so focus is is really important. And sometimes, yeah, you have to make sacrifices. You have to say, if I'm going to serve this market best, then I have to stop playing around in these other sandboxes over here. But then there's still lots of noise out there. It's still expensive to, uh, to, to communicate through many channels. How do I make impact once I've got my focus straight? Once you have your focus straight, I mean, first, that's one of the things that really differentiates you, right? I mean, there may be other people who are also trying to talk to your specific audience, but already the noise is much smaller than when you're trying to talk to everybody. So that, that initial focus will really help because as soon as you start gearing everything that you do for your ideal customer, your content, your marketing efforts, your channels that you're on, your, your message itself, your products, they will really see that you're speaking directly to them. And what else do we love more than something that's speaking and personalized specifically for us, right? Like we love things that are for us that are not just a generic thing. So that that already is going to really help you stand out in that noisy market. And the other thing that's going to be really big is I mentioned at the beginning is just being really clear on your why behind your business, making sure that you're building a business that's your version of success. And the reason that that's going to help you stand out is because we don't really buy products and services. We buy two things. We buy something that solves our specific problem and we buy brands. Like we buy their why, we buy their story because we want to make sure that someone's not in it for the sale. They're in it to be serving us and to be helping us. And that's what that story really does. It really does give you an edge and it helps you stand out and connect with the right people for you. Right. Uh, do you collect customer success stories? Can you share one with us where you helped someone break through? Yeah, I I have a few. Let me think. Okay, I actually just caught up with one of my uh, coaching clients recently, and it was such a lovely story. We had, when we'd worked together, it was um, a newer business, and we were deciding, okay, what are, a lot of it, again, was focusing on who her customers were, what she could offer them, and then looking at some of the pricing structure around what it makes sense from what services she's offering and what content she should be used to marketing to them. And so I met with her and I was just like, hey, you know, it's been a while. I just wanted to catch up. Uh, how are things going? She said, you know, Selene, I the amount that we projected, which was a healthy amount of money, she's like, I've already made double it in the year. I made double the amount. Yeah, she made double the amount that we had projected and we had projected like a higher amount than she was already making. We were just like, this is pretty realistic. She said, I made double that amount. And the one month that I really focused and did everything you told me to do, I sold eight pieces of my art. And since I stopped doing everything you told me to do, I no longer really can sell my art. So I have to go back to doing that. Um, it was it was such an amazing story. And then she ended it by just saying, you know, you really, I thought what I had was a hobby and what people told me I had was a hobby and you helped me make it into a business. And I, of course, ugly cried in the cafe for a bit because <laughs> 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 I just was so proud of her. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, I helped guide her 
and um, helped her with the strategy piece and really understand her those parts of her business. But like she did all the work and it's her product that people want. It's her service. It's her that people want. And I was really, it really, I, yeah, I was really excited for her. And that was definitely something that made my year already, even though it was the first month of the year. That's very so, cool. But, yeah. but, but right now everyone's wondering, what did you tell her to do? I, and you know what? I would love to say that I had some like really, uh, you know, I mean, I get ads on my, my Facebook feed and I'm sure everyone else does it being like, this is the one thing you need to do. Just create this. Just use the software. And I'd love to say it was like this super secret trick, but it was actually really boring. It, it was really just figuring out who her audience was and doing a ton of audience research on who they were and what they wanted and how to talk to them and which channels to use creating some really amazing content around her stuff and showing her how to tell a story with her content and niching down on what it was she was offering it. That was really it. <laughs> like at the end of the day, that was really it. And also helping her know what she was going to say no to so that she could say yes to other things because that was one of the things she was like, oh, I want to take on all these clients. Um, and when we kind of worked together, we were like, well, if you do all those, you're actually limiting your growth potential because that's and she kind of actually came to that realization herself when we were doing her budget. She's like, oh, that's where I make the least amount of money. <laughs> so it was really just being like, yeah, so you love those types of clients. So take on some and either increase your prices or say no to some. So I want to say it's something really fun and exciting, but it's really just those really boring things that done consistently, small steps over the course of a year was right. what got her to where she was. Right. The other interesting thing in that story, though, is that here the, 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 this woman, this client of yours, had a short period of great success, and then she stopped doing. She stopped doing what you suggested, and the sales dropped off a cliff. Why do you suppose, and we're not talking about this person anymore, but I, th I think this hits a lot of people, that we know what we should do, but for some reason we stop. Why do you suppose that is? Yeah, I think there's two things. One is in the beginning, I think we're now wired in our society, and I speak from a personal place too, of seeing instant success. Um, and we don't realize that building a business and building something that's really amazing takes time and it takes just slow, steady, consistent action over a really long course of time. And we might not actually see the fruits of our labor or that success, for a while. And it's like with everything, right? Like with working out where we're like, oh, what's the crazy new diet where I can actually lose a bunch of weight in a week um, where I can do like an eight minute workout a day and see immediate results. And even with that, like for myself, it was realizing I had to work out 30 minutes a day, three times a week for six months before I saw any results from that. And it's just one of those weird things in our society where we don't really love thinking that <laughs> we right. don't really we're not very patient I'm not very patient so I understand that mentality uh, so I think a lot of us quit before we actually start to see that success and we quit too soon what should we um, tell ourselves to, to keep ourselves going what did you tell yourself to keep going to the gym <laughs> yeah it was um I didn't make it about the end result I think was a big part of it where I just said to myself you know, it's not <laughs> my personal trainer always laughs at me because I just remember I the first time we worked out together, I had to do push ups and I don't think I've ever done push ups and I hated it. And then the next day I called her. I was like, so I don't have a six pack. 
And I'm kind of annoyed by that because I did all these push-ups. <laughs> and, and so I think it's really just being like six packs don't happen overnight. Um, what you need to do is just show up, like master showing up and not do it for the six packs, do it for the showing up. And that's what I started doing with my working out, right? It's just being like, I'm here to work out three times a week and to just do 30 minutes a week. And that's my only thing I'm trying to achieve. I'm not concerned about what I'm going to look like six months from now or now that I'm close to 40, probably like a year from now, let's be honest, right? Like I'm not as concerned about that. And same within marketing um, your business or in growing your business. Uh, like the first four months of my business, I met with every potential client. I kept getting referrals of people to meet to and nothing turned into anything. And then four months later, I got my first a dream client and then it just rapidly built after that like my had four months in I had a $5,000 a month and then the next month I had a $5,000 a month and then the month after that I had a five-figure month and it just started snowballing but if I had quit before I put in those four steady months of just showing up and just doing it for the sake of doing just that thing not for the potential success that could come I never would have gotten there I too would have quit way too soon <laughs> So, Len, one of the things that you try and do is help entrepreneurs market their businesses without feeling icky about it. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so uh, I'll actually tell a little story about that. So I was sitting with a friend one day, and um, he asked me, you know, he's like, so your business is doing well? I'm like, yeah, actually, it's doing really well. And he said, it's been doing well, like, over year over year. I'm like, yeah, but but interestingly, every time I, you know, each year when I sit with my accountant and my financial advisor, I always say, uh, next year I'm probably going to make less. So let's like not make big projections based on this year. And after saying that for a couple of years and it, my income still going up and up, I had to sit with myself and be like, you know, I always tell myself that next year I'm going to start going to a lot of networking events and start learning how to do sales. And then every year I don't do it and I feel bad about it. And then I had to be like, but obviously you're doing something because your business is growing. And so I really had to sit and think, I am marketing my business, I am doing sales, but I'm not doing it in the traditional way. And I'm not doing it in the traditional way, not because there's anything wrong with that, it's very successful for a lot of people, but for me, it doesn't align with me, and therefore, I would never really be successful with it because I wouldn't show up with confidence with it. I would bring that vibe of, I am not comfortable. And so what I realized that I was doing was something that I like to call, uh, for lack of a better term, it's a bit of an overused term, but is authentic marketing. And it's really a relationship-focused type of marketing and a way to build your business and market your business where you're showing up to serve, not to sell. And that's something that has really been working to build my business, and that's something that I share with other people. And what's the hallmark of authentic advertising? What's the difference between serving and selling? So I think there's like kind of four things around it is the first one, again, is aligning with your why. <laughs> it's very important that we do this often in our business and we reflect on it often because knowing exactly why you're in business, yes, income is important, but there's a lot of ways to make income. There's a reason you're doing the business that you're doing and not something else and being very clear on that and very clear on what success looks like for you outside of income is very key because that's going to guide you in terms of what you want to be sharing with people and how you want to be serving them. And if you don't know that, then it's going to be really hard to do all the other steps. The other parts around um, serving and not just selling is adding value, making sure that every interaction you have with someone, whether it's online, on Instagram, or in person, is to add value. 
Uh, and then third, building relationships. So I find it really interesting that we approach business relationships not like we approach friendships. So if I'm talking to someone who I've just met in the grocery store, which happens a lot up here, which I really enjoy about living in a small town, but you're chatting and it's not about business. You know, you ask about them, you're interested, they ask about you. Then when you bump into them the week after in the grocery store, which is, as you can tell, the main place I go to hang out with people, um, is that you build on that relationship. But for some reason, when I meet people in a business scenario, they're almost instantly trying to sell me something. And it just feels weird, right? It feels like you don't actually care about me. I'm a number to you. And people can feel that and you bring that energy with you. And so when you approach it with that, it makes it really hard to build those meaningful relationships that's going to set you up to serve them and to help them and have the impact you want to have. And then finally, it really is when you do sell to someone, don't just sell for the sake of a sales. You're selling because you want to serve them. And this is something that I feel impact entrepreneurs know inherently and want inherently. They just don't necessarily know how to always do it. So at the end of the day, they want to be serving because they want to be making that impact. And so that's where you really need to be able to be focused and say, is this the right customer for me? Because if not, I'm not even going to sell to them because I can't truly serve them. And that's where you really start to say no a lot to yourself or to others. Um, but also in how you show up in your marketing is always focused on adding value and serving them. Right. I just want to get back to adding value for a minute. Uh, that's a fairly vague phrase. We like to think we're adding value all the time, but what do you mean when you're saying make adding value a part of every interaction that you have? Yeah. So I think uh, this is how I described it to one person when I was having a networking event and she said to me, Hey, can I uh, talk about my program and you program at your event? And I said, you know, I don't think you're going to get very far if you do that because at the end of the day, this event is about relationships. So what you could do instead is you know what you're offering through your program. You know how you can help people. So just share that in every conversation you have. When something comes up that's similar to the problem that you're solving, then find a way to organically just share your expertise and share your skills in it for that person. And that's really what adding value is. It's knowing exactly what the person you're serving or wanting to serve, what their problem is, how you can make their life better, how you could help them be happier, richer, faster, whatever it is that you're offering, and breaking that down into really helping them do that anyways, whether or not they bought from you. So that can be very micro things, right? Like if you're a nutritionist, it could be around helping someone make healthier choices in their meals or in how they live their lives. If you're, for me, I'm in marketing, so often it is around, oh, here's some things that you could try. Or, hey, I noticed that you're, you know, doing some stories on Instagram but not doing a lot of videos. Why is that? Here's some ways that you could be more comfortable with video. And that's all helping them with their problem without even needing a sale for that. Right, right. Uh, one of my favorite ways of adding value is making sure that uh... – you're connecting people to other people who can help them. Um, it's 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 it, to me. No, the people you know are incredible bridges to new opportunities and new projects and things, and helping. Uh, introduce other people. Now, maybe in a city the size of Whitehorse, maybe everyone already knows each other. But uh, but is that a pretty good strategy? Do you think? 
That's a great strategy. And not everyone knows each other here. I think that's an excellent way, uh, especially when you're coming from like one of your values or your why is community building. What better way to build community than to actively be building community? I think that's a wonderful way to do it for sure. Perfect. Well, you're building community with smart women. Tell me what smart women is and why do you spell smart without the A in it? Oh, right. So I'll, I'll cover that first, that last one first, because it's a... <laughs> it's very distracting. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm very bad at naming things. I'm going to be straight up front about that. Um, normally, I do very literal names that are long tail names, and Facebook events hates me. Um, but I, I'm terrible at naming things. And what had happened is... This is actually the origin of both my businesses. So there was a group of people who were just friends and they were doing some other things. And then this venue came up and it was a cafe in town. And they were saying, you know, we're going to close the cafe, uh, but we'd like to activate this space before we do that. And so they chatted with me and they said, hey, do you want to help us do this? And really, all, what, one of the things I love doing is throwing weird events that are one-off events, um, creating experiences for people that are about conversation and learning something new. So I said, sure. And then we were trying to come up with a name. And so it really was just a joke. <laughs> I hate to admit that out loud, but it was kind of like a, here's a funny name. Why not? Let's do this. And then it stuck because a brand quickly built around it locally. And um, people knew the brand better than they knew any of us because it was doing pretty interesting things. And so we kind of got a bit stuck with it. <laughs> uh, we tried to change it at one point, And so we put out a survey to our audience and everyone was horrified at the thought that we would change it. So <laughs> we stuck with it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's that part of the question. And sorry, could you remind me of the uh, the first part of your question? Just tell me what Smart Women is and what you're trying to do. Right. So it really did just start as a community and wanting to build a local community around female entrepreneurship. There was a pretty big gap around that. There's a lot of support for entrepreneurs in this town. Like it's actually amazing and very inspiring how much support there is. But we were noticing that like, event over event, fund over fund, very low representation of women. Um, and it didn't seem to make sense to us because there's a lot of amazing, very smart women in this town doing really interesting, creative things. And so we wanted to support that market and support that audience. And so we just kind of started having small events focused on female entrepreneurship and they really took off. They're selling out every time. There was more and more people showing up every time. There was different people showing up every time at all stages of their business. And it's really just about connecting them with one another and creating that community because that network, as you had mentioned, is so valuable for entrepreneurship, whatever stage you're at. Um, and it immediately called in the people who were what I would say is the right people, which is people who honestly, truly, genuinely wanted to support one another. And if they were further on in their business, they were giving freely and happily their experiences and their expertise to help newer people go up in their business. Um, and that's really what it's about, just helping people build the skills that they need to run a thriving business, but also that community, which is so important as an entrepreneur. Right. How many people are in the Smart Women Network? Um, I would say based on who's come out to our events, hundreds hundreds of people, close to 400. Um, and that's just like based on who I have emails for. So I'm sure there's more. Like we had a, a conference in November that was around women leadership and entrepreneurship as well. And that had that sold out at about 170 seats. So that's just kind of who we know has been coming to events. But there's definitely 
always new people and a lot more who are showing up. Right. And what have you learned through the events that you've been able to put on and the people you've been able to gather around you? What have you learned about what explains the fact that women were not showing up before, that they weren't coming out and celebrating entrepreneurship in the the previous mixed groups? Right. So we actually did do a lot of research um, into this audience, uh, since that's what I love to do is research. So we did look at a lot of research around why women feel they need women only spaces in this in the area of entrepreneurship. And that was something that we like we formed some hypotheses based on that. And we kind of confirmed them with our events is that there is a lot of value and importance on a women only space. There is a, um, a way that women show up when they have that, that they don't feel they can always show up when it's not a women-only space that's available. We also approach things a little bit differently. So knowing that for women, mindset was a really big part about business and was one that uh, many could struggle with, with feeling fears of failure that were much higher than the fear of failure rate with men, um, imposter syndrome, different types of confidence, all of that we started to really gear our events around that and making sure that we were covering those areas so that it wasn't just, you know, here's how you do marketing. It was, here's how you really become amazing at marketing and shifting your mindset to help you get there. So there was something about the content that was unique that was being missed in other events that weren't focused on that. And there was something about just offering women a women-only space that really seemed to be important. Is it possible to look at the community and say, uh, the community, I mean the, the, the whole community of Whitehorse and say, is it better off for these women entrepreneurs coming out and getting together and, and gaining strength together? There's, I've seen huge value. Um, almost every time that I host an event, someone says to me afterwards, oh my God, I got a contract from this or, oh my God, I've connected with someone who I never knew and we're going to go do this crazy, amazing thing that I've always wanted to do. And bringing people together to be able to do that and to feel supported in their journey and to feel that, hey, this entrepreneurship thing, maybe it is for me um, or maybe I can do this. I wasn't quite sure is really, I mean, that's why I do it. Uh, like those, that community building isn't really a business thing for me. It's just something that I really want to contribute to my community. And every time someone says something to me like that, I think that really affirms for me, this is why I'm doing it. This is why um, I'm still showing up in this way. Right. I mean, the, the whole reason that I'm involved in the entrepreneurial world is that I see it as an incredible tool uh, for personal development, as well as, you know, business development and, and economic development and community development. Um, and uh, so I'm really interested in the way that uh, entrepreneurship helps people find their best place in the community or in the world and gives them strength. And just wondering what, you know, if you've seen examples of that in the work you're doing. I mean, I think I've seen it in myself quite a bit. Um, it's, you're completely right. Entrepreneurship is the best personal development that you can do. I mean, I spent pretty much all of 2019 outside of my comfort zone in order to grow my business in specific ways. It was incredibly hard, <laughs> um, but it was so valuable and it was so important and it was a type of growth and a type of pushing myself out of my comfort zone that I would never do if I wasn't an entrepreneur. 
So I think that's it's amazing for that. And from the community perspective, yeah, there's something about being able to contribute what you are truly passionate about and feeling aligned with that you can't always do in a nine to five. Some people are very lucky in their nine to fives that they can do that, that they found the perfect fit. But I think for a lot of us, even when we're in a job that's technically on paper, great, we're not always able to show up in the way that we want to show up. Like I love, I remember being at a uh, meeting with, I was the only entrepreneur there, but it was all entrepreneur support people. And at the end of it, I was kind of like, all right, well, it sounds based on everything we've talked about. This is the thing to do. So let's do it. And every single one of them were like, well, you know, we got to run it by our teams. We got to do this. We got to do this. And I was kind of like, I don't have to do any of that. I could just do this tomorrow. <laughs> and there was a freedom in that in being able to show up for my community and do what I felt that they really wanted and needed and could really support them without having to run through red tape of my own. So that was really amazing. And I think that that's something that you can only really get as an entrepreneur. Let me just get back to marketing for a minute because that's a challenge every entrepreneur faces constantly. Um, I think one of the things that you've been doing is trying to help people develop sort of non-traditional uh, marketing practices or channels. So what are some of the non-traditional processes that you've been sharing with your clients lately? You know, just until this moment, I hadn't realized how much it was a lot of what we've been talking about. Um, I always say it's it's using events to build a brand is my favorite one. Um, I love experiential marketing. But after our conversation that we've already had, I realized what it actually is about is building a community around your brand. Um, when we can create a community around our brand and within our audience, that is one of the best things that you can do to build your brand and to market what it is that you're offering, plus have that impact you want to be having. So I often do that through events because that's how we really love to come together. And by events, I don't just mean like, oh, you have a workshop with the thing that you're an expert in because that's a bit of a hard sell if someone doesn't know you very, very well. Uh, but also at the end of the day, we're not just about investing our money, we're about investing our time. Time is a very valuable resource and you need to show someone that you're it's a good investment on their time. So I really enjoy using events like I've been doing where there's something interesting going on. Like there's a there's a something unique, something different, but it always connects back to my brand. So for example, my networking events that I do, uh, I created them. I'm an introvert and I hate traditional <laughs> <making> events. <laughs> I've uh, ended up in a corner at traditional networking events. One time I spent the whole time showing someone photos of a dog. I don't have a dog. Like just clear. <laughs> but you have so photos covered. of a dog. <laughs> I have a lot of photos of dogs. I follow a lot of dogs on Instagram. Um, <laughs> they're my online friends. Uh, so I was like, this isn't working for me. And if it isn't working for me, it's not working for other people. And as a brand that is all about community and supporting people and building relationships, not just awkward small talk. I created a networking event, which was small groups, speed dating. You get personally introduced to your group. So I introduce everyone by name to their individual group. We have conversation prompts. Uh, the conversation gets started and then they do rounds with different groups. So they end up talking to about like 12 new people uh, during the evening, but having really in-depth conversations with 12 people and building relationship. And so that's one event that it wasn't even selling anything, but it was so core to what my brand was about. And it was so interesting and different from what was going on already out there that it just pulled in a huge community and now really associated my brand with that community. And do you do any do some of these entrepreneurs become clients of yours? 
Yeah, definitely some of them do. I mean, this is how events are entirely how I built two brands from ground up. So the ad agency, like I'd mentioned, had started with just weird pop-up events that were something different and that were really focused on that smart, fun approach, which was what that brand was about. Um, And that was all of our marketing. That was entirely what we did to market it. We just had a series of really weird events that kind of fit in with what we were trying to do and the types of projects we wanted to work on. And then those are the clients who started to come to us because they're like, hey, we're trying to do something different. Like we don't want to just run ads. We want to do something different and engaging. And we heard that you did this event that sounds really interesting and weird. Could you do something like that for us? And so we ended up doing things like a citywide scavenger hunt for a theater festival, um, a... Uh, like a night at the museum party where with like the heritage minutes being showed and poutine being served, like things like that. So that's something to think about when you're doing this is it's not just about the core of the event itself. That is, yes, what what people are going to get out of it, the main reason they're coming, but you need all those event features that make it an experience, not just a thing that you're going to. Very cool. They say, there's a lot of people who say that entrepreneurs should always say yes to everything, that that's a whole philosophy of life. But you said earlier in the show that it's really important to say no to things that that don't feel like they're in your brand, your market, your wheelhouse. Tell me about saying no and, and, and how you say it when it feels hard. Yeah, I mean, I think especially, you're right, we are taught to say yes to everything as entrepreneurs. And we're taught to take every opportunity because it's an opportunity. And I don't think that's true. In fact, I think some opportunities are bad for business. Uh, some customers are bad for business. If they're not your ideal customer, if you're they're not the right person for you to be working with, they're bad for business because those are the people who are not going to get the results, who are not going to trust your expertise, who are not going to value, who are going to ask for discounts. And at the end of the day, are going to shake your confidence in what it is that you're offering and your expertise because they're not going to be doing the work that they need to do or they're not going to be getting those results you want. Um, But also with opportunities in general, like we are CEOs and um, I can't imagine like a really big company or very successful company that's just saying yes willy-nilly, right? Like they have a strategy, they have a vision and what they're really good at as people are running a big business or a successful business is very quickly filtering out, this is going to help us there. This is not going to help us get there. Say no to everything that doesn't help us get there. And the faster and you're able to do that, which is based on being very clear and very confident in what it is that you need to be saying yes to, the easier you're going to be able to filter out um, those decisions. And we're hit with millions of decisions every day. So if you're not really good at that, you're going to get decision-making fatigue so quickly and get overwhelmed so fast and burnt out in your business. So yeah, you need to be able to say no to pretty much everything that doesn't get you to where you want to be going. Okay, so someone says something, suggests something, let's do this project together or something. How do you say no? How do you say no? Right, and so this actually, this came up and I said in the first first couple months of this year, I said no to $30,000 worth of projects, um, which is something that I think like 2017 Selen would have freaked out about. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people would freak out about that. (laughs) And it's not that they weren't great projects. I'd worked with both the teams before. I really liked those clients. Um, The work they were doing was amazing. Um, I really enjoyed the work. But I had spent a lot of time last year trying to get really clear on who I wanted to work with and what I wanted to achieve and exactly what helped me at the end of the day feel like filled and energized versus burnt out and kind of like, 
I'm losing my creativity or I'm feeling stagnant. And those projects were not in line with what I wanted to be focusing on. So uh, what I said to them was, um, I just kind of said, you know what, this is what I'm focusing on right now. And unfortunately, like, this is an amazing project. I love working with you guys, but it doesn't really align with what I'm trying to focus on right now. And that's a really gentle way to do it because you're not saying no to someone. You're making it very clear. They also can very easily say, yeah, there's no fit here. So, <laughs> so they weren't upset about it. I still have great relationships with both of them. And they were able to find wonderful people to take on those projects who, frankly, it's not that I wouldn't do a great job, but if my heart wasn't 100% in it and someone else's heart is 100% in it, I mean, it's probably a better fit all around. So that's just a really gentle way to do it. The other times I've said no is that you have to get really comfortable following your gut. And that is a really hard lesson, I think, as an entrepreneur. I think we fight our gut a lot. Um, so I had a few things in the beginning of my business where like red flags just immediately came up. And I was like, oh, I want this project, but it just, I feel like it's going to be, uh, I feel like it's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a hard, like there's just something's not going to flow here. And every time I've had that feeling and took on that project, I've been correct. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, it's not been a great experience, but at least I know I was right at the end of it, right? So there's always some, something there that you can at least feel validated. And so when something like that happens, that's a bit of a harder one to say no to because it might not be as easy of an out, but there's a lot of ways to do it of just saying, you know, um, again, this is what I'm focusing on. This doesn't fit into it right now, or it's totally okay to say no to people. I don't know why we think we have to say yes to everyone. I mean, our, our potential clients say no to us all the time. Why can't we say no to them? Right? Like nobody's <laughs> offended by it at the end of the day. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. Okay, well, this has been a very valuable conversation. Picked up a lot here. The things I'm taking away from this are being clear about your vision. Find every opportunity you can to add value in, in, in your interactions. Keep at the tough stuff, even if it's not building your muscles right, muscles right away. Uh, build community. Don't fight your gut. I, I love that part. It's okay to say no. What is one more great piece of advice that we haven't covered from, from, from your experience and your career? Uh, a, a, a tip for entrepreneurs that they could put into their put into effect in their business right away. Oh, I feel like we've covered so much. Um, and I love that community one. I'm glad that came up in this chat. I think one of the big other things is um, I, I really want people to know that they are an expert in what it is that they're doing and that what they are offering is valuable. And the way that they're offering it as their unique selves is valuable to someone. And to use that understanding to just be able to start showing up. Like, I think that's the big thing is that sometimes we don't show up because we think, who am I to share this? Who am I to say this? There's other people who know more than me. There's other people who are better experts than me. There's already industry leaders saying this. None of that matters. Like, that's the noise that yeah, there's a ton of industry leaders, but notice how no one has the full market share. It's because people like choice and they want something that's for them. So that's like just a little mindset exercise I guess everyone could start doing right away. It's just really understanding for themselves and reflecting for themselves on the unique value that they're bringing to whatever field they're in, whatever industry they're in, and how that is really valuable to people. Celine Vicaria, founder and owner of Smart Pop-Ups and Smart Women, 
keep on doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job in Yukon. You're doing a great job uh, helping women entrepreneurs. And good luck as you extend your coaching career uh, across time and space. We'll keep an eye on you. Thanks for participating in the Startup Canada podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. It has been. We'll talk again. This episode was sponsored by Microsoft Canada. We thank Microsoft for their support of Startup Canada and Canadian entrepreneurs. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.